Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for hanging out here with me. Got a lot to discuss. Going to try to do it in a orderly fashion and try not to take up too much of your time. I do appreciate the fact that you've been so loyal to House of L. If you have not done this, we love a five-star rating. We just give the podcast a five-star rating, write a review. Strangely enough, because of the way that algorithms work, whether it's Apple or Spotify, it helps people more easily find the podcast that are looking for it. So I thank you for doing that if you've already done it. I mean, honestly, you could subscribe and unsubscribe and subscribe and unsubscribe and subscribe. And that actually helps too, as weird as that sounds. Cause you know, technology's weird <laughs> and the way that we work metrics is also really, really weird. Here's what I wanted to get into today. I didn't want to take time out on the show. And quite honestly, I didn't want to be interrupted <laughs> talking about this. Um, and I mean that in a good way. Like, I I think Dan and I usually have a lot of good discussions, but we have to run up against a clock, and we try to be as on time, and we're doing a better job, I think, over the last month or so of being more on time to what our clock says, the way that we should program a show in segments and what time that we should break. But that's the beautiful thing about having a podcast. I've got a ton of bandwidth, and I can use it for whatever I want it to be. So today, I wanted to talk a little bit about covering a team, and specifically me and covering the White Sox going into this season. Because um, I'll just tell you that the relationship between the White Sox and the score I would the nicest way to say it, it would be to say that it's strained. And not just because of the Mike Clevenger stuff. It's because they've been unhappy with how coverage of their team is being characterized. I'm sure that 1000 is probably well maybe not 1000 because, you know. Uh, maybe cuz I mean they they got some guys over there that really care about the White Sox too, which I'll get to. I'm sure that, that they've seen it some of the, the newspapers and other outlets have probably seen it, too. I talked to a couple friends who were in Glendale, and they said that it's palpable, like you can feel it. So I just wanted to kind of give you my thoughts on it and see if we can come to some sort of uh, accord here when, when it comes to it. I also would like to explain how I view coverage for people who have questions about it. And it's a tightrope. I'm not going to lie to you. Like it's it's quite the tightrope. I am a White Sox fan. For a long time I was a White Sox season ticket holder that stopped when they hired Tony Larusa. I'm not going to relitigate all of that. That was just the point where I was like, "Nah, you can't have my money anymore." Like you you still have have my loyalty when it comes to baseball teams, but you can't have my money anymore. I often talk about the concept of someone owning something that you love. And Jerry Reinsdorf is someone who owns something that the rest of us love. 
And that's difficult. I have felt, especially over the last decade, that my relationship with people at 35th and Shields has been pretty good. Um, I have the phone numbers of people in, in big offices over there, and they have mine. And I'm good with that. I'm, I'm also even good with those people when they are upset about something that they've heard. I'm totally okay with the confrontation of it. I, I think that it, it usually, in, in, it's been my experience that when those confrontations happen, they usually happen for the better. The team or player will have a better understanding of your point of view. You'll have a better understanding of the team's point of view. And then you can go on from that point. It's difficult to sometimes separate the fandom from the coverage. And I will say one of the things that angers me is when we do do coverage that is passionate and there's the reaction of, oh, well, you're being so dramatic. No, I'm, I'm being passionate about it because I care about it. But there, there are two sides of that passion. When the White Sox are rolling, man, like when they are rolling and things are going great, you know me, I'm at the front of the parade. I'm excited. I'm excited to see the White Sox do well. And I love covering good teams and good stories. And I think that we've done, when it's been warranted, a really good job of that. But the flip side of passion is that if I feel something's not right or I know something's not right because of what I'm observing, what I'm hearing, what people are telling me, then I'm going to react to it. Now, some of this stuff, and I'm giving you a little bit of how the sausage is made here. There are things that I know that I can't say on the record because of the, in some cases, in, in, in some cases, the legality of it. The, uh, the most important part is, for me, it's more about where my where my journalistic lines are drawn. And not everyone has the same lines as I do, and I'm not trying to push my journalistic line up above anyone else. I just I know I know that there are things that I don't want to touch because I don't feel it's necessarily germane to the conversation. Is that me doing gatekeeping? Yes, to a certain degree, it is. But I also think there's a responsibility in some of the coverage. I'll, I'll mention this, and I'll try to do it without mentioning what I'm mentioning. But if you're a White Sox fan, you know what I'm talking about. Last year, there was a lot of stuff floating around the internet about what was going on in Tim Anderson's personal life. I think that is out of bounds to discuss unless 
Tim goes on the record to talk about it. I'll give you an example, a, a Tim example. A couple years ago when things were going really badly for Tim, you find out that his best friend had died. And he talked a little bit about it on the record. And you go, oh, here's a reason why we might not be seeing the best of Tim because he's clearly preoccupied with something that is tragic. And we have to allow for athletes to be human beings. With him speaking about that on the record, that I feel is okay for us to speak about publicly. And I think in in some cases, it does a service to the athlete to humanize them. And and so you're getting a broader story. Like you're trying to figure some of this stuff out and you're getting a broader story. I think that can be valuable to the discourse of talking about players and teams and the games and sports that we love. But the other stuff that I knew about, I felt was out of bounds. And there are countless people whenever, like let's say Tim makes an error and I tweet about it. Countless people will pop up in my mentions Oh, well, he's worried about blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to respond to that. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm just not. Someone else might. I'm not. Um, on the journalistic side, I will say that it does bother me that when, there are a couple of things that bother me. When... People in my position, and I'm just talking about me, show restraint. It is not respected by players or teams. And when we show disdain because of something that's not happening well with the team, that's the thing that allows them to react. It's rare. I'm not saying that it's never happened because it has. It's rare that I hear from a White Sox executive who says, man, that was a really great segment you guys did. Or I heard that interview that you did with our player or I heard you talking about that subject matter and you guys knocked it out the park. And to be fair, I've, I've gotten that text message from Kenny Williams, like straight up and down. I've gotten the, wow, that was a really interesting subject or a, a perspective that I didn't think you guys had on a subject. Like I've literally gotten that text message from him. But it's few and far between. And then the question becomes, are you doing your coverage for the respect of the people that you cover? Who, who is your master? Is your master yourself? Is your master the public? Is your master the fan base? Who are you there to serve? These are questions that are constantly going on in my mind. Like, as we talk about things, I'm constantly thinking about, well, 
who does this serve? Like, what are we doing? Like, are we allowed in the space of a talk show to discuss how what's happening makes me feel? Usually the approach that I like to take is I look at it from the feedback that I get from other White Sox fans. And that feedback comes in a lot of different ways. It's social media. It's talking to friends of mine. Like, I have a good group of White Sox fan friends that I run stuff by. I ask them how they feel about it. Knowing that they don't know some of the stuff that I know about the inner workings of the White Sox or, you know, what happened in the clubhouse on a day that I was there, like that sort of thing. But I also have my own feelings about stuff. Now, I've been trained, like I've literally been trained on how to cover a team clinically. I know how to do that. That's why I'm no longer a Bears fan. Because I spent 10 years covering the team clinically. The the wins and losses are not as important. It's, It's the team where it's not really important to me at all. Because that that fandom in me died a long time ago, you know, probably 2004. So now it's 20 years of me looking at the Bears clinically. And yeah, there are things that I get excited about. Like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm genuinely excited about Justin Fields. And I hope that he can reach the potential that it looks like he he's showing. Because I think that would be fun. And, and, and it hits me on a lot of different levels. But I, I, I feel like, and I could be wrong, and as you're listening to this, you could say, Lawrence, you're 100% wrong. I feel like when I do have the moments where I'm speaking for the fan base, and I know that I'm not speaking for 100% of the fan base, that they would prefer that I tell them how I feel. Now, I could do the thing of, Let's just look at it clinically. Here's what happened in the game. And I'll give you an example of where I do that. When I am asked to work at NBC5, I mean, NBC Sports Chicago, and they say, hey, can you fill in because Chuck's out of town and we can't find Layla and we need someone to do White Sox pre and post game. I am capable of running through the the kind of um, push play that the producers put in. I am capable of sitting there and being the person that sets up the analyst. That's how I look at it. To me, it's like play-by-play. My job is to get us in and out of breaks, to set up the topics of conversation, and to lay it up for the expert. If I'm standing there with Ozzie Guillen, who cares what I think about what the White Sox are? Because I could just ask Ozzie. I have my time to do that on this podcast or on the radio show with my name on it. So when I'm doing that TV show, I know that I'm being brought in to do a job. Now, I'm able to compartmentalize a lot of this stuff. And I'm sure that there are people who are listening to this podcast that don't understand how I'm able to do that, it's a gift. Some of it is how, you know, just 
career-wise at this point. Like, there's a mercenary aspect to it. I know what the job is that they're paying me to do. Football after show is a whole different story. But even with that, I'm still kind of, I'm there to move the ball around and to get it to our experts and let them do their thing. So how can I be the same person? How can I be the person that can be flaming mad at the White Sox on the radio and yet do a professional job when I'm asked to host White Sox pre and post? It's a delicate tap dance. I'm not going to lie to you. And there are moments where I am uncomfortable with it. There are moments when I am, I, I'm looking at the opportunity to step out of that role and do something with it. Like, for example, when the Josh Donaldson stuff was happening, I was actually hosting White Sox pre and post on NBC Sports Chicago. With all the Josh Donaldson stuff, that's a moment where I feel like I can, I offer more to the discussion than just being the guy who's going to ask Ozzy about it. I can offer the perspective, and it's very specific in the case of T.A. versus Donaldson, where I can offer the perspective as someone who grew up playing baseball and wondering about my role as a black man inside of the game. And having interviewed Tim as many times as I've interviewed Tim, I, I, I wouldn't say that we're friends, but I would say that we're friendly. And, and I know that people saw the tweet of him saying, you need to be more positive. And I, I take all of that stuff into account. A hundred percent. Different roles call for me to do different things as a host. But what I try to always do, I try to not, on the the radio show, here on the podcast, I try to not lie to the audience. How I feel is how I feel, and I'm going to let you know. I'm still going to use some of the gifts and things that I've learned as a journalist to make my case. As a talk show host, that's part of it. I'm making a case for why I feel the way that I feel. So when I'm upset about something that the White Sox do, I try to, it's why I'm so long-winded, I try to give you as much information as I can about the consensus that I've come to on how I feel about it. And that can make teams uncomfortable. And it can make them uncomfortable because I believe in being accountable. I believe in in showing your face. I I believe in you can't throw a stone and hide your hand. Like, I just believe that. I'm also not that afraid of conflict. Some people are. They're conflict averse, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not. Um, and so you have, you try to have like a good relate, a good working relationship with the people that you cover, ideally because it makes you more well-rounded. You're able to 
give more perspectives than just your own opinion. And, and my opinion is usually based on not just me watching the game on television. It's me talking to people. It's me talking to people while the game is going on. It's being in the clubhouses or locker rooms. Like, all of that stuff. I try not to make it personal. I'm not going to say that I never make it personal. And I will say that the White Sox as an organization are making it more difficult to not make it personal this year more than any other. And there's been some restraint in that regard on our part. And it's frustrating because here's the thing. History is prologue, right? We can't just, I can't, maybe you can, if you can compartmentalize that way, I I salute you. We can't just wipe away what's happened over the last two years, no, no matter how badly the White Sox want to. The LaRusa hiring was a, a huge mistake. And there are repercussions of that. And I hate it when people are like, let's just move on. Because you have to figure out how the repercussions are manifesting themselves with the team that's in front of you. The Jose Abreu story. And I saw people like shit on Pito yesterday. I, and I, it, I could not believe it. The man said what he said. And people will often dismiss opinions from folks like myself or reporters who are on it because they don't know. They're not in the clubhouse all the time. Here's a guy that was in the clubhouse all the time. Here's the captain of the team. And he told you how he felt. And you're trying to dismiss it because he doesn't play here anymore. And that shit is gross. It's so whack. Like, whose opinion would you have wanted on the 2021-2022 White Sox more than Jose Abreu? All that guy did was play hard, played hurt, and played well. One of your MVPs for this franchise and for people to be like oh it's sour grapes or he could have done a better job leading like that is incredibly myopic and the loyalty shown to the laundry versus a person who exemplified excellence inside of that laundry is incredible like it's and it's incredibly disappointing to see people not side with that guy and say maybe maybe he's telling some truths that need to be told and in the Steve Greenberg piece it's clear the picture that was painted and I thought Steve did a great job of painting it was a guy whose feelings were were hurt and he was struggling to just relay the message and there were people who were, like, on him, like, oh, it doesn't matter. He's an Astro now. Like, that's, that really, like, made me angry, you know? 
because that guy did everything right, everything right, and it didn't matter. It doesn't matter that there there's a collection of people inside of the White Sox fan base, and quite honestly, every fan base. It doesn't matter what those guys do. Once they're gone, it's it, it it you're more loyal to the team than the participants on the team. And it sucks. You have to take that part of it. It's why I can't 100% get on board with what Tim is talking about because we have to look at all aspects of it. And yeah, we can hope for the best. Hope for the best. And want the best things for the White Sox. But that doesn't mean that you do that and ignore the negative part of it. I want to talk another thing, and I know I'm already gone longer than I expected to on this, but there's something else that I want to discuss. It has to do a little bit more with the journalism aspect of it when it comes to covering teams, and we'll get to it in just a minute. Okay. I want to talk about being an insider. I do not consider myself an insider on any beat. I know some stuff about the Bears because I covered the Bears for a really long time. I'm not an insider. I, and I personally have been struggling with the concept of is it valuable to you for me to claim some sort of insider status? I'm a little, like, I'm not in the business of breaking news. I'm not a reporter. So I don't do that. Occasionally I do that, but I try not to do that. There are reporters out there that are working really hard that can add context. If I Usually, if I hear something, I will pass it along to a reporter so that they, could do, they can do the legwork of tracking it down and sourcing and all sorts of other stuff. And that's been how I felt as long as I've been a talk show host, like doing that as a job every day instead of doing the job of being a reporter. Being an insider, and I don't mean reporter, like I'm using terms and I'm not, I'm trying very hard to not use them interchangeably. A reporter is not necessarily an insider. The reporters who cover baseball in Chicago, I actually do think do a really good job of separating themselves from the coverage of it. But media is changing. It's evolving. And so, and there's, you know, there's, I have a podcast. A lot of people have. There's like 30 White Sox podcasts out here. And everyone wants to give you, the listener, something different. Something like there's a reason that you are tuning in to listen to this particular podcast. I would hope that part of the reason that you listen to my podcast is because I'm someone who's worked in in Chicago media for 25 years. So there are some things that I know. And there's some there's some things that I can tell you about the process of how all of this stuff is done. And I feel like I've done it 
pretty well. I mean, there's actual metrics that back that up too. But you have to, for me, there's still a healthy separation between Lawrence the fan and Lawrence the talk show host or analyst or whatever the hell you want to call me. And sometimes those lines get blurry, and I understand why people would say that those lines get blurry. That's fair. I think that's a fair criticism. And I think that it's sometimes confusing for the people who run teams and are on teams, where a lot of times, and specifically, like, this is definitely a White Sox thing more than it is a Cub thing. I can tell you that. The White Sox want cheerleading. And they should, right? Like, they should want they should want the most positive coverage that they can get. Like, that's that should be their goal. And those opportunities are offered to them. We're not going to turn down talking to a player that's got something good going on. There's a quid pro quo to it. Liam Hendricks wants to come on and talk about charity work that he's doing. Great. Liam knows that we're going to ask him about that charity work, but we're also going to ask him why the White Sox have lost, you know, 10 out of 15 or whatever. And there are people that are, like, Liam is actually a really good example of someone who gets it, who understands that those questions are going to be asked. Lucas Giolito, I think, is really, really good at understanding that when things are going to go well, people are going to, of course, of course, treat you well. And when things are, are not going bad, are going bad, they're going to point them out. And sometimes they're going to do that in a demonstrative way. It doesn't mean that the, the people that we're covering are unliked. It just means that we can't open up the microphones and act like bad things didn't happen. And as it pertains to the White Sox in in 2023, like I've been thinking a lot about this because I've gotten the text messages from people over at the White Sox about, you know, you're being too hard on us and, you know, you've lost me and, you know, stuff like that that I get from people over there. Um, And I'm okay with an audit. Like I'm, I'm totally all right with, I try to look back and, and say, hey, was I too harsh on this particular subject or maybe not harsh enough on other subjects? I do that after every show. Like, that, that is an audit that is going on after every... I, I care. I do care about how I am perceived on the air. I care about whether or not I was clear in making an assessment or throwing an opinion out there. I try desperately to be fair. And it's a different thing than objective. I try very hard to see things from another perspective that isn't mine. But I... I get frustrated with... There not being a 
I get frustrated with always being asked to be fair. Specifically by the White Sox. And them not reciprocate. You want me to be fair. But when I lay out a case that makes makes you not look good, but there are no lies told, then I'm being unfair. And that, to me, is bullshit. And everyone that I deal with over there knows that, one, I'm following the team and I'm covering the team. That I'm not afraid to show up there. I'm not afraid to to have a conversation about any of this stuff. But they only want the positive coverage. And everything going on now with them, whether it's the Clevenger story or whatever, or how they're digging out of the hole that they dug over the last two years, that informs the way that we are talking about you going forward. So, after um, I found out that there were some contentious messages sent from White Sox personnel to SCORE personnel, I said, all right, are we, are we not being fair? Like, the production staff, Dan and I, like, we talk about this stuff a lot. And I said, okay, what can we do better? How can we do it better? Well, I really like Pedro Grifol, and I think it's one of the smartest things that they've done organizationally. And I like what he's talking about. I imagine you saw the clip of me talking about amen, hallelujah, when it comes to some of the things that Pedro is talking about. You have to draw the parallel. If we are going to be like, hey, Pedro really seems to have a grip on this, and look at the drills that he's running down at Camelback Ranch. Unfortunately, one of the tools that we use to discuss things is comparison. And so, if these things are going to work, I want to know why they weren't in place before and how they compare to the way things were done before. And that upsets people, and I I get it. But from a logic train standpoint, that's how my brain works. I need to understand, well, why were you doing it the way that you were doing it before? If we are to elevate the way that it's being done now and saying, oh, now the White Sox have got it. They've got it now. Well, what was it that was keeping them from getting it before? And how do you make sure that that doesn't happen again? Like I said, I've spent too much time on this, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to land the plane here and wrap it up. And I hope that, that people have listened to like this whole thing, my whole soliloquy here. 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. The best thing that can happen for those of us who are in the content business of sports media, newspapers, radio stations, streaming services, TV stations, the best thing that can happen for us, for us, if I'm being completely selfish, the best thing that can happen for us is the team wins. Is it extra sweet for me when it's the White Sox winning instead of the Cubs? Yeah. But the Cubs winning is great for us too. Some of it is a math problem. There are more Cubs fans than there are White Sox fans. And strangely enough, if you did an audit of our radio show, Dan and I spend more time talking about the White Sox than we do the Cubs. I think that that's probably going to even itself out a little bit with some of the moves that the Cubs made. It'll probably even itself out. But we would love it if teams won. It makes our jobs easier and more fun. And honestly, it's more lucrative. Like, you want to know the real? It's more lucrative if the White Sox are winning. Even though we aren't... Technically, the White Sox station. Here's, here's a little thing. about like, and That shit annoys me, too. The idea that we're the Cubs station, so we're only going to rag on the White Sox. Let me tell you something. I don't give a shit where the White Sox are playing, where their games are broadcast. Because I know this much, at 10 o'clock the next morning, White Sox fans are going to be listening to Bernstein and Holmes. So you can say that we're, we don't carry the White Sox games. But you're not going to find a group of people that are more passionate about the White Sox than me and Dan and Mully. I think that we've got a really good balance. Because, you know, I would say that David's probably in the same category as Layla. Like, they're agnostics. Like, baseball agnostics. Speaks does stuff for the Cubs. Danny is a Cub fan. And I don't mind them. Like, I've, I've said it for years. Like, I don't mind those guys. And I've enjoyed it. But what's happened is, is that because of, because of that, perce- I want to try and, and wipe that perception away. We see the numbers. Like, our show does well. For not, for not being the White Sox station, our show does really well when it comes to White Sox conversation. The score is the score. That's where your fans are. Your fans, it, it doesn't matter where your games are. Your fans are coming over to the score to listen. And I'm not trying to throw shade. There are plenty of people who listen to 1002. But to act as if the coverage of the White Sox is different because we happen to carry Cubs games is absurd and disrespectful and not true. But here's the thing. Here's the, here's the dirty secret of it. If Dan and I were to change our focus, if we 
put aside our fandom and our interest in the White Sox to focus on the Cubs, which, by the way, could be a lucrative choice for us. Like, if we really leaned into the, we're the Cubs station, and we're going to give you all the Cubs coverage, up your butt. From a rating standpoint, we might have a bigger lead than the one that we have now. But if we were to change our focus, and like, let's say that Dan and I, if the White Sox are bad, and we decided to change our focus to talk primarily about the Cubs, you know the type of text messages we'd be getting from the White Sox then? Why are you guys not talking about us? We understand that you're the Cubs station, but our, our team deserves coverage too. Yeah. And when we, give you, when we give you passionate coverage about your team, you complain about that as well. So look, my podcast is a place where I get to bitch about stuff, and I know that I've been bitching about it for 40 minutes. But it's legit how I feel, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to put you up on game. Un- understand where some of my anger comes from. When it has to do with dealing with the White Sox as an organization. And being stuck between wanting to see guys succeed. I want to see Tim Anderson win badly. He has meant a ton to the south side of Chicago. I want to see, I want to see Lucas Giolito win badly. I want to see Liam Hendricks recover from cancer and win badly. I want to see big old Hoss Lance Lynn win badly. Outside of one guy on the White Sox roster, I want to see that team win. But that, those guys, the Eloys and the Luis Roberts of the world, outside of those guys, I'm not real happy with who the White Sox are organizationally and who they're trying to be and how they try to levy influence in some cases, bully to try to get the coverage that they want. But know that all of this stuff is swimming around inside of my head. This is what I'm thinking about as we're talking about it, as we're doing topics. Like, for example, we had figured out on the rundown because I, you know, I had read the, the quotes from the Dutchman's piece on Pedro Grafol, and I, I heard some, I was listening to some stuff with Pedro, and I was like, man, I really, I'm really digging this. Like, I really dig this. And we had set aside like a 20 minute segment where I was just going to talk about how great this is because we had had Ryan McGuffey on, and Guff had talked about the drills and what the drills look like and how there's a, a crispness to it that wasn't there before. And as we're talking about it, 
Dan got upset. And the reason that he got upset was because why wasn't this happening before? And he got upset because he feels like those two years that the White Sox essentially wasted were really important moments of development. And they're hard to get back. It's not impossible. The White Sox could take a jump developmentally with a bunch of their players this season and everything could be great. But it's... Even when we want to talk about them in a good light, and now we're kind of making fun of it, like on the show, but even when we want to talk about them in a good light, there's usually something that comes along where you're like, oh, man. And this time it was the Jose Abreu story. So I hope I've been clear in this, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Winning is always better. Always. It is always the preference. For those of us who, I I would say that there's a small percentage of people, none at the score. I I do know a couple of people who work in, in sports media where, they like to revel in in a team's failure. I don't like to revel in it. I would always prefer that a team win, but I'm also not going to shy away from being like, man, y'all, why are y'all bad? Let's try to figure out why y'all are bad. But that's what I'm on. So I thank you for indulging me, as you often do. I appreciate the support. If you want something lighter, you just go back a little bit and you can check out the the Ant-Man review or the Cocaine Bear review. Those are episodes that happened. Also, I'm the guest on Sports Adjacent this week because Leisure got sick and they were like, Lawrence, can you please be on the podcast? And then I was a real downer on their podcast. I feel bad. So I was just talking about how sports media industry is in real trouble and it is if the nfl media is out here cutting back what chance do the rest of us have don't worry there'll be a podcast episode on that too thanks for listening i appreciate it i will talk to you next time